Major Ben Sims is a highly experienced coach with a diverse range of qualifications and expertise. With a master's degree in human performance, a bachelor of science in nursing, and countless certifications, he brings a wealth of knowledge to his work. While specializing in working with tactical athletes such as law enforcement officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, and military personnel, Ben also has an extensive experience working with clients of all ages and abilities, including competitive and non-competitive youth and adults. Having served in the Army National Guard for 23 years, including 10 years in the infantry and the last 13 in the nurse corps, currently he serves as the Holistic Health and Fitness Coordinator and Human Performance Integrator for the Army National Guard. In our conversation with him, we explore the Holistic Health and Fitness Program and how the Army is integrating it to build individual soldiers. Let's get after it. We have a professional obligation for the ethical application of, uh, of force. You can have a growth mindset where you're always achieving for better. This is about us, about our guard, our reputation. We are all in this together. Outthink, outmaneuver, and outfight the enemy. If you wage war, do it energetically and with severity. This is the only way to make it shorter and consequently less inhumane. All right, thanks for joining us again with another episode of The Raven Report. I'm Chaplain Sanders, and I'm on with Major Ben Sims. Um, who is the director at the Professional Education Center in uh, Little Rock for the Army Holistic Fitness, uh, or H2F. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, the, the Holistic Health and Fitness uh, for uh, the Professional Education Center. Yeah. Yeah, right. There you go. Well, so um, I know I'm coming in, into this uh, somewhat as a newbie because I don't really, I, I've, I've worked a little bit with uh, uh, the H2F guys, but I really don't understand it. So can you just kind of give me like your you know, overall uh, you know, view on what H2F actually is and why, where, why it, it exists and, and uh, where it came from? Yeah, so the, the history for uh, health and fitness has, has its roots in the, about uh, the last, really since about 1987. So in, in 1987, the military academy looked across the board at um, the, the military members and their families and how to, one, institute programs that would be real uh, primarily preventative in nature a, a, around physical and mental performance uh, for, for the soldiers and their families, um, but, but also proactive in, in an approach to try to uh, creates a system that when soldiers came into the military, they could, um, you know, do do some preventative things through whether it's physical or mental, uh, in in a kind of kind of comprehensive uh, format to prevent injury and uh, increase longevity of service. Uh, and what happened from those is you got the comprehensive soldier fitness, and later on that became comprehensive uh, soldier and family fitness or CSF two. Um, Fast forward to about uh, 2011, there, there was a lot of research and study between then uh, from the military academy and the serum, military medicine. Uh, they tried rolling out a couple different uh, assessments or tests as far as uh, something that could potentially replace the APFT. Most people remember those rolling out. Some of them were combat focused, uh, obstacle course, carrying, carrying water jugs, dragon, uh, a heavy dummy or, or heavy mannequin carrying ammo cans and then some were more garrison based where you would do a minute 
of uh, push-ups, a minute of V-ups, a broad jump and pull-ups, and then a 1.5 mile run. So there were a lot of, of different tests, but what happened when every time those got rolled out is, is uh, the, the, it started to see that the, the, the army really wasn't ready for any of those new tests. So they had to look at how um, uh, performance and resiliency across the formations went. Uh, about that same time, you start, you know, two, uh, September 11th happened. Uh, you saw our op tempo increase across all the formations. Um, and, and you started to see a, a, a three generation gap. So you had veterans who were, had, had been in Desert Storm, had, had served for a long time. You saw a new generation that had never deployed. And, and between those, uh, you started seeing injuries we hadn't really seen in a very long time whether that be uh, you know, uh, more um, on the psychological side or spiritual side, those types of injuries, and then the MSKIs that we see, insults and injuries as far as metabolic disorder related to misappropriated stress response or musculoskeletal injury related to overuse uh, or untrained um, uh, muscle groups and joints and, and, and those types of impact injuries. Uh, and you also saw um, a population coming out of high school and joining up that just really wasn't ready uh, for the physicality um, and, and the the grit that was needed to to serve, so we go to basic, and you saw pelvic fractures, long bone fractures, um, uh, metabolic injuries uh, that you really hadn't seen before in that young population, uh, related to more of a, a technology-based sedentary lifestyle. Not that there's anything wrong with that; it just is what it is. You saw less running, less activity, less climbing, less jumping, less impact. So that tendon and, and joint strengthening, the cardiovascular system buildup um, or the cardiorespiratory system buildup as far as having nice big pipes and pipes that go to lots of muscles, really dense bones, uh, uh, a really good pump and then great, great oxygenation um, just, just really hadn't happened uh, for, for various reasons. Uh, so, so what happened was uh, a chairman of the Joint Chiefs rolled out total force fitness to kind of look at um, the, the entirety of what it took to be a, um, soldier and, and, and the family and everything that that ecosystem encompassed. So, um, when, when he, when they did that, they pushed that out to the consortium for health and military performance and what they came up with, uh, or our champ, what they came up with was eight domains. So you have five primarily uh, human performance driven domains, and then three kind of external, uh, uh, more institutional domains. And so the, the human performance domains were uh, physical fitness, physical readiness, uh, uh, psych psychological readiness, uh, or, or fitness, interchangeable words, right? Um, spiritual, nutritional, and social, because our the ecosystem that is us and then the ecosystem that surrounds us is really important. And then on the more institutional side, medical, dental, um, and, uh, financial and environmental. So where, where we're at in the community, uh, what type of, uh, of legacy medicine preventative health we're, we're getting as far as, you know, prevention of chronic illness, regular checkups, blood work, things like that. And then of, of course, dental, making sure that our, our um, uh, masseter muscles are nice and strong and that our teeth have the right density and enamel that they need and, and that we don't have uh, gum disease and things like that. And then uh, financial, it, uh, kind of speaks for itself. Um, so they looked at all of that as far as what it takes to be a military member and, and, and to, to kind of be able to do the job and come out the other end as best as possible. 
Uh, that was 2011, 2015, 2016, the uh, Human Performance Resource Center uh, Consortium for Health and Military Performance was launched online. At that same time, you look uh, uh, roughly around 2010, 2011, maybe around 2012, uh, those three years, they looked at reforming the Master Fitness Trainer Program. Um, uh, we had had Master Resiliency Trainers for a long time that came out of Penn, Penn State. And they were looking at how do we get at the physicality or the physical nature and how do we put uh, trainers into units to be able to, you know, do some calisthenic based muscular endurance, pliability, mobility type things around warrior task um, battle drills or warfighter movements. Um, so th that, that ended up uh, rolling out um, and, and the FM7-22 that was largely calisthenic formation based, very little weight, unless it was with gear, rehab, uh, rest, recover, rehab, um, and, and assessments uh, for that came out. Um, that, that led to some, some uh, research that, that came out from USERUM and from military medicine and the Consortium for Health and Military Performance about what is human performance optimization? How can we use that? for our military members uh, to really be able to meet their medal. Uh, fast forward a little bit more, about three or four years ago, um, the formation of holistic health and fitness, primarily with uh, the, the four main individuals at the uh, uh, underneath General Milley when he was the uh, um, chief, uh, chief of staff, uh, chief, uh, chief staff of the army. Um, and, and he, he started push that and then General McConville after him uh, with, with Colonel Biggleman and Carl Lindemann and Mike McGurk and, and uh, uh, Colonel Fentwell at the time uh, to come up with a new um, combat fitness assessment and also a system, a holistic kind of system that would look at primary prevention of the downstream effects, metabolic disorder, PTSD, suicidal ideations, risky behaviors, uh, suicide, uh, coronary artery disease, uh, stroke, cancer, um, violence in the workplace, uh, uh, um, sexual assault, sexual harassment, some of these downstream effects of, you know, someone who, who, who has lack of resiliency and, and not, can, can't perform well. Um, and, and that's really where H2F came from. We got a new FM, uh, a, new, a new combat test, and, and that's where we're at right now is trying to figure out what that looks like uh, uh, one for the whole army, well, comp was one, two, and three, and then specifically for us, uh, we, we have a great team, uh, Colonel Palmer and, and uh, Captain Zamora and their team, Master and Brooks, up at NGB, uh, working on what does this look like for 54 states and territories, and then down this down the stream, kind of lower on the totem pole, uh, we, we have a H2F team at PEC that's primarily education and training for the students and the PEC staff. Uh, that come through and then also looking at how to, um, uh, you know, what, what is the ASI, what, what is potential H2F education uh, with COMPOS 1, 2, and 3, and then how do we align with that so that we're putting uh, individuals back in the formation that are knowledgeable, have the skills, have a toolkit, reach back, and resources uh, to be able to support their states. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's I didn't realize that it had been going on for as long as it had with so many different like kind of evolutions, but it, it, that actually kind of makes sense when you look at the complexity of H2F that it has to have, you know, kind of a deep, you know, history. Does it make sense? 
Yeah, and and you know you, when we talk to, um, there, there's really a, some some really uh, hardworking, very intelligent individuals like uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Doister, Patty Doister from uh, from uh, Consortium for Health and Military Performance, uh, uh, Doctor Dan Bornstein, and and um, uh, Doctor Nindel. So there's there's individuals that have been working on this for you know two decades, three decades um to to kind of get to the point where it is right now and every every branch of service has something very similar we, you know, the army has holistic health and fitness uh the navy has uh warfighter wellness or um w, uh w2 uh the, the air force is looking at something and i don't know if they're going to keep the name but right now it's fortify the force fitness um and those are all based on you know previous iterations uh and then blending, blending eventually with technology. Right. So like, um, why is it that, I, I guess I, I, you kind of somewhat answered this, but like you said that like we started seeing a lot of like uh, injuries as, um, you know, uh, kind of like a new generation started to, to come into the end of the army. Like, is it, was that the primary driver for starting to kind of like revisit fitness or, or like, you know, cause like this isn't, doesn't exist in like, World War II, Vietnam era. So like, what, what was the, the big driver to start to say like, hey, look, this is more than just PT. It's, uh, it's about a lot of different things. Yeah, you know, it's just, it was just every, every generation has, has their, um, their gaps that they need to work on. And, and realistically, the industrialization of America um, and, and, and the Western countries really played a big role in um, decreased physical activity. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, societal indicators of where we're at now that, that have kind of led us to this this point. But to try to keep it short, really, just kids stop playing. Right. Uh, you know, dual dual parents working, lots of uh, uh, lots of inactivity. So so if we go back to uh, the World War II generation, the majority of them, and, and even farther back to, to other wars and. Uh, um, and I, you know, I don't want to say it's all doom and gloom. We have advanced in a lot of things, but we have, we have decreased physical activity these days. And, and, uh, you, you typically people, uh, you know, woke up when the sun came up, they started work really early. Some of them worked, uh, you know, labor intensive jobs in the city. Some worked labor intensive jobs in more rural areas. Um, you know, school was different. So there was a lot of play. There was a lot of walking to and from places, uh, there wasn't mass transportation for the most part, uh, and, and, and most kids had to do hard work. So, you know, you were, you had a lot of uh, running and jumping and climbing and landing and, and, and lifting up things. And, and uh, you, there was just a lot of the, the environment was different than what you have today. Um, to, to the last 20 years, we've seen just an enormous amount of advancement in technology, which is great, but it comes with other, other issues. Um, kids uh, tend to be more online or on their phone, which we're seeing some trends that are positive that maybe that's not the case with some of the kids' school-age children today. Um, but, but the population that we're specifically talking about that is currently that 20 to, 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 early, to early 30s, um, actually late 20s, uh, they had a. They spent a lot of time um, indoors. They spent a lot of time uh, on, on either video games or on their phone or on their computer. So they didn't get those things that you typically get as far as building resilience through being outdoors, through injuries, through uh, uh, 
uh, you know, climbing up a tree and falling down, trying to jump across rocks and falling down, uh, picking yourself back up, running and chasing each other, kind of like, you know, fighting in the backyard. A lot of those things, while we became safer and we had less injuries, we didn't necessarily as a society kind of look and see, you know, with kids doing less and not getting the tendon strengthening and joint strengthening and stability and, and, uh, you know, building some muscle under load and resistance just from play, just from sports, just from being in your backyard um, and, and then building a, a cardiorespiratory system. So lots of pipes to carry blood to uh, your muscles and organs and, and have good uh, mineral exchange from your bones and then also get rid of waste. Uh, you know, those just really were, weren't getting developed necessarily in all of our youth. So, so when they would go to basic training, what you saw was, you know, decreased bone density, uh, not, uh, you know, t um, uh, not very pliable uh, tissues, so tendon and, and ligaments, uh, not necessarily, you know, not as good of resistance training with muscle groups, coordination, pliability, uh, lower uh, um, uh, oxygenation uh, uh, capability because not really, the heart wasn't necessarily um, uh, strengthened and there wasn't a, a ton of uh, arterial and venous um, developments and then and same with gas exchange with the lungs. So a lot of a lot of psychobiochemical underdevelopment that was kind of just something that came natural from the times that you know people were alive. And we're always going to see that, you know, you're always going to see that as humans evolve with what's around them. And, you know, there's adaptations that happen and different stressors. And then, you know, eventually down the road, we'll kind of look back and see what those look like. Um, so, so from that, what, you, what we, what we saw uh, is just a, a lot of individuals and not everyone, like I said, there's a lot of positive trends too. But when you look at our, our youth today that are coming into the military and you ask them, what are you? Uh, like, what are you as a species? What makes you a, a human being on this planet? They have a very hard time answering that. They have a very hard time answering what it is that makes them a human being. What is the psychobiochemical thing that is you, you know, out of the trillion cells that are in your body? What, what, what does that even mean? What, is, what does energy mean? What does blood flow mean? What, what if I say, how does your cardiovascular system work? How does your central nervous system work? They just really have such a low, and this isn't everybody, but generally such a low um, uh, basic knowledge of those things that it's, you know, when you say, hey, you need to pay attention to nutrition and sleep and physical activity and have spiritual purpose, you know, surround yourself with a, a good social network and family um, and, and, and practice, practice mindfulness and some cognitive agility. I mean, where do you even start if you don't even know what that is? If a lion comes into your room, whether it's a lion that's been in a zoo or a, or a wild or, or, you know, from the wild, a lion knows it's a lion, period. Right. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that a large population of, of our youth understand what it is to be a human on this planet. So, so, you know, really, when you look at holistic health and fitness, it's a, it's a large, largely a preventative health system that focuses on education and prevention um, to, to the hope is that, you know, as this goes over the course of five, 10 years, or maybe longer, that, that the, uh, the acute phases are needed a lot less. So the therapies as far as on active duty side are needed a lot less. 
and, and more, it's more of a left and right um, range of correctness to keep individuals in. Interesting. Yeah. So it seems like it's, um, it's very philosophically driven. And I, I mean that in, in the terms of um, like, it, it seems like, like there is a, a need for adversity early on to help develop people. Am I hearing you uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have such a, the, the holistic health and fitness team up at the center for initial military training at Fort Eustis is such a great team. They're so smart. And, and really we all stand on the shoulders of experts from, from organizations like champ and you serum and, and uh, the, you know, uh, uh, Naval research and the air, air force research lab. And there's just so much uh, evidence-based resource behind this, but I think when we look at it, it can look really complex. And we look at the problem, solve, problem sets across the board for, for our societies and our communities. And then also for our military community and families, it can look a bit daunting, but there are some basic principles that come along with H2F that are just very simple. And I liken them to like CPR. The CPR is so successful across the United States of America because of a simple implementation of compressions, airway, and breathing. And, and when you have a, a large a population that understands what that means and how to use an AED, how to recognize signs of choking and signs of stroke, we see really good outcomes for those things. And so when, when we look at holistic health and fitness, it's really building habits and hygiene around how you wake up, how you address work during the day, whether that's physical activity, exercise, uh, uh, working on studying and learning and reading, practicing, you know, whatever gives you purpose in life and spirituality, whether it be theologically based or more of an existential experience or, or some sort of group activity that really gives you purpose. Being fierce about how you feel your body, just like we would put into our vehicles or anything else that we really care about. You know, our body, we get one of them so far. I don't know, Elon might be working on, you know, that down the road, but right now we get one body. So how do you fuel that? And then also, how does your body, how does your body use that fuel and energy? Like how, what does that even mean? Because once you understand that, you can kind of understand why the nutrition is so important and why, uh, you know, optimizing your stress response and not having a misappropriated stress response, you know, really has huge impact on our sex and stress hormones. But I go back to, you know, if you don't know what you are, it's really hard to understand those concepts because those play such a huge role in everything else that we do. That these very basic principles of building, you know, practicing sleep while you're awake, which means just using your energy during the day so that at night your body can wind down with those sleep neurotransmitters and hormones. And then when you go to bed, waking up when the sun comes up and letting those wake hormones and neurotransmitters work so that all that psychobiochemical thing that is you can work throughout the day, fueling that body, winding down little, like really low screen time, which is hard, right? right. But, but those are some basic wake up really well, work really hard during the day, be physically active, practice mindfulness, breathing in and out of your nose, uh, studying, trying to learn something, trying to get that neuroplasticity or just really new cells in your brain. So you can, you can have the, the um, ca capacity to, to continue to learn and adapt and grow and, 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 and uh, achieve some grittiness 
uh, working on being fierce about winding down the evening and limiting your screen time, surrounding yourself with family and friends and telling stories and sharing experiences and then having that intimacy in the evening with your partner and, and, and falling asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow and waking up and doing the next day. And they're really simple principles that you can build habits around uh, and lots of resources out there, whether it's FM 7 22 you know, ATP 7-22.01 and ATP 7-22.02 or, or the Consortium for Health and Military Performance Resources, um, uh, which is hprc-online.org. Uh, the, they have nutrition and supplement information on opss.org. And then the Military One Source has really done a very good job on their websites. And those are just the military ones. If you looked out, across the, the formations, whether it be uh, uh, Health and Human Services, HHS, CDC, uh, the VA, um, and, and DHA, Defense Health Agency, there's an enormous amount of information, resources, and capability there that, that leadership and can, can leverage uh, to, you know, to, to kind of be a catalyst for the result that, that they want within their units. So, I know that was kind of a long ramble, but I think if we look at very basic principles, uh, uh, we can we can you can have an immense uh, uh, results uh, that are consistent, that are sustainable, and that ha can really uh, work towards the overall goal, which is you know get, trying to give our soldiers and their families the ability to be happy, healthy, and hungry in the uniform, and happy, healthy, and hungry outside the uniform. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I like uh, I like how you put it with uh, people that, that they don't really know what they are, or whereas a lion knows knows what he is. Um, I like a bunch of like random thoughts with, with that. Like there was a study that <laughs> that that, uh, that was done when they they asked these little kids and they said, "Hey, like name three animals." And um, the kids that grew up in inner cities, they said things like lion, giraffe, kangaroo. And even though they might be in L.A. or something, that there is no they're not even on the right continent for any, any of those three <laughs> you know, elephants. But they go to a, like a kid that say like in South Arkansas, it's like name three animals. And they're like a white tailed deer, a squirrel and a raccoon. And it's like, well, why? Because they see those three things and I think that like seeing those three things kind of helps them place themselves inside that environment. They're like, oh, well, that's a raccoon. I, I'm not a raccoon. I am a whatever. But whenever you're in like, you know, this like urban jungle and you don't have that kind of like mirror of other things, you don't know where you're at. So it, like the, the idea of trying to figure out like where, where do you get placed in nature? You'll never kind of understand that you're like a hunter gatherer nomadic type person that need, that has this certain kind of daily rhythm, just like a squirrel has a certain daily rhythm. Is that kind of like what you're, what you're getting at with that? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's uh I think there's a lot of room for, or I should say a lot of opportunity uh, to, for education on just what this human experience is uh, at just at base, just as a, as a base person on the planet. But also what is this experience once you put the uniform on? So there, there's a certain risk we sign up for, period. You know, you, we can take the healthiest person on the planet, you put them in a military uniform and have them do the job, there's a risk that that person is going to accept that's going to have consequences downstream. We know that we're going to have high operational tempos where we just don't get the sleep that we would really like, that we know we're supposed to have. But under seven, consistent under seven hours of sleep is a known carcinogen. So how do we mitigate that risk? 
How do we mitigate the risk of the big things downstream that we know we're going to have to face? It just, just, they're just risks inherent to us putting the uniform on. But there are ways that we can mitigate that risk and, and, and hopefully avoid it. Uh, okay. So, so how, how do we, how do we do, how do we do that? And, and I think by, through education training and providing resources and reach back, we can get kind of close. It's one piece of the puzzle. Um, and, and then hope, hopefully, you know, we can look at and, and, and start to connect a lot more dots as we learn more um, and, and move forward. Right. Yeah. It's, it sounds like, uh, are you uh, uh, overly familiar with like stoicism at all? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of kind of what you're getting at, it like they're basically stoic principles, but approached from a different angle. Like, the, well, you know, we want to have, you know, like adversity in our life so that way we can grow like you know, our muscular skeletal system and all the things that go, go with that. Well, that's just like, you know, the obstacle is the way like it, it's very a very similar type of, of trope. It's just said differently and, and viewed from a different lens. Am I tracking that correctly? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a large philosophical portion to it. And, you know, I think I think them, we have a lot to learn and we have a long ways to go. Uh, but I think this is a great start. I think it's a great tool uh, for leadership to operationalize across their formation and kind of kind of start to level the playing field a little bit, uh, increase the competitive nature of the military, increase readiness. And, and also give our, our members and their families some, some really solid tools for while they're doing this job, but also for while they age. Because eventually, you know, we all have an expiration date. And we, there's only one way to go. You know, like I said, maybe Elon's going to come up with something but, or someone else. But right now, you know, we're going one way. And how do we make the best of that? So we can look back at our life, uh, at our story, be proud of it, be proud of the individuals we've surrounded ourselves in. And and, and really choose the way we want that to look at, you know, at the end. Right. You spoke a lot about, and not necessarily directly, but like just that like purpose really drives a lot of like just good fitness. Um, so like, how does that, like, how does purpose in, inform your, your overall fitness? And like, where do you get that from? Yeah, I think there are several, several sources. I think one, one people have to tell their story. I think, I think our soldiers have to look back and tell themselves their story. We don't, you know, and, I, and, and I, what I mean is to get some historical perspective of what it is that made you who you are, uh, what you are, why you are, you know, all the W's and the H's, right? Like, why are you here? What are you doing? How did you get here? And, 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 and use that as information to, to look forward and and figure out how you want to write your story what do you want your story to look like uh what what can you have for goals what can you have for uh belief systems and i and i think it's hard if you don't look back and kind of really write down some things uh that that what 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 it is to be you on the planet and who's around you what's your supporting cast who are who are who's your band of merry fellows right like what, what adver adventures and adversity have you been on to get here? And then what do you really want to do? What do you want to write in the next page? What do you want to write in the next sentence? What do you want the next chapters to look like? Uh, and how, who do you want to come along with you on this adventure? Uh, and and what, what type of fantastical nature do you want? Whether that's a belief in God or whether that's a belief in, 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 in a spiritual existence on a different plane. 
What, what did those look like for you? Maybe it's meditation and mindfulness and breathing. Maybe it's believing in, in, in a metaverse, you know, in different alternate realities and, and folds in space time. And maybe it's a belief in a, a theologically based, um, uh, you know, belief in God and, or, or, or different, different systems of belief. Um, but, but I think it's hard to get there and it, it seems overwhelming, but when you start writing down what it is that you are and how you got here and you look forward to what you want, some of those things start to fall in place and give you purpose. Maybe your purpose for the day is just to wake up breathing the next day. That's a great thing to start on. And then you can build some goals on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and you, and you might not know where that leads right away, but you're not going to know unless you kind of start putting some pen to paper or text to screen or or some sort of, of thing to be able to really look at what made you what you are um, and, and get to where you want to go. Yeah, no, you're, you're speaking my love language, man. Like there's, uh, I don't know how many people uh, that have come and sat down in my office. Uh, they have like the whole world coming apart on them. And yeah, as you start to kind of like flesh out this, uh, you know, this story that of like, this is what's going on. And they're always kind of focused on the short term. You start to realize that they, they're kind of, they've kind of just lifted or listed through life purposeless. And so what I'll tell a lot of guys do is like, Hey, I want you like your homework before we meet again is to go home and write your obituary. And they're usually like, what? And I'm just like, yeah, because that's what you're doing right now. Like every choice that you're making is you're writing a sentence on the, the headstone that will be there for the rest of time. Are you proud of it or not? And so I, they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And usually they come back and they, they have a really hard time doing that because what's forcing them to do is, is if they're going to write where they're going, they have to understand where they've been and then to, to make, you know, right now make sense. And, and they start to kind of wrestle, you know, with, with that whole thing. So it sounds like y'all are kind of taking the same approach to that, just basically saying, hey, look, you know, like, you know, where are you at? How did you get here and where are you going? And if you can kind of like arrange that, it kind of gives you a lattice work to build like a decision model on like, well, like I am a soldier. So therefore I do this. Is that kind of, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we stand on the, on the shoulders of individuals that have worked on this for decades. And so I always like to, to, to put out there, this isn't, this isn't Ben's most bestest uh, thing <laughs> right. ever. That, you know, I'm, I'm, I just get to be able to be someone who's involved in it with, with a lot of highly intelligent individuals and, and lots of research that's been done. And then, you know, having some unique positions to understand soldiers and, and hopefully be, be a steward for this and, and help spread the message and give, give the, give, just pass it off. And, and, you know, who knows what happens when that, you know, ma- magic takes place across a large formation, we can saturate it. Uh, it, it you know, I, I, I think, I, I, I am proud to be where we're at and what we're doing, but it, you know, it's, uh, it's a large team. It's a huge effort. There's, there's a large group, uh, to, you know, trying to figure out how this is going to go out and there's going to be, you know, some, some growth, some learning. <laughs> it's not always going to be perfect. And, but the hope is that, that, you know, if we can, if we can saturate the formation with knowledge and tools, that uh, will capture a, a lot more individuals that are interested. And then, you know, who knows what they'll find out in the next 10, 15, 20 years uh, to, to even, you know, even grow more, more on that. Right. No, that makes sense. Well, I've, I've been taking notes this entire time. I have like a bunch of questions for you. You, you talked about um, stress response and like me, and this is all kind of almost a, a, a Brandon question, but like um, you, you like said, like, you, you know, you're, you're, 
have stress in your life and then you have uh, you know responses to that stress that can be kind of detrimental or can be positive. Um, I'm at a point in life where, where like I have my finger in about 19 different pies and constantly doing things <laughs> across the, the board for like everybody uh, to include this podcast. And um, and, and like you know, it, the the natural response to that is just a lot of stress. It's just like there's a lot of like performance stress. Like, hey, look, I need to make sure that I'm on top of this because it, I'm like a single point of failure. It's going to it's I'll lose it or it, you know, we all lose it if I don't do X or whatever the thing is. And uh, that can start to get you know stressful. And I think that over the course of years of just military experience, it, um, I, I've kind of like gotten to where like that's just like a status quo normal thing for me where I'm just like, okay, whatever, I just drive on. But I started to kind of take notice that like it, it was starting to impact my workouts. And uh, and like, it was just like there's days where I was like, man, I just do not feel like doing this today. And like I can force myself to do it, but it's just like, why, why don't I have – like I, this is something I like to do. Like why, why don't I have, a, a, you know, motivation for it? And um, I was actually uh, talking to uh, uh, another guy about it. And then he started kind of like saying like, well, what's going on with your, your work stress? And I was like, oh, well, you know, this is chaos right now. And, uh, and they're like, oh, well, wait, maybe that's you know, part of the problem. And the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know what? Like as work stress starts to kick up, I like, it's almost like I have a bandwidth, you know, like a set bandwidth that gets, gets reallocated from point A to point B. So stress. So I, I think one thing, I think one thing that about stress is, is, it's just like everything else. I think it's kind of got lost in, it's got lost somewhere along the way of what is stress. And stress is, stress is something we need. It's a, it's a, it's a function of our body that has been developed over the existence of us on this planet to keep us safe. So a stress response is triggered to a perceived change in baseline. That's all it is. So what that was, was let's say that line, you know, we're, we're out there hunter gatherers and that lion is there and maybe it's something that we just can't handle. That stress response was there to make us do one of a few things, either run, so flee, fight, uh, or freeze. So we're either gonna we're either gonna freeze, we're gonna get the hell out of there, or we're gonna fight. Um, and over time, what you know, that stress stress is stress is stress is stress. The way but we can train how we respond to that. What we haven't done is a very good job of in, in duck, indoctrinating uh, our stress response to understand to either A, recognize like us, we're telling it to recognize that it is, this isn't a stress, so I don't need a response. Or B, this is a stress, I do need a response, but when that stress is taken away, I can recover faster. So that's what we would like. We would like to read an email and recognize that that's not a stressor. I don't need my, the activation of the biochemical process that is stre the stress response, which is made for you know release of neurotransmitters and hormones to to heighten me, have focus, uh, give sugar to the muscles and the heart, increase the heart rate, get ready to release adrenaline and cortisol. All these things that happen to so I can actually work. I can do something right now. Um, because because our society has changed so much, what happens is we we have a text or a or a, or a media post or an email or a phone call or an interaction, and and it 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 it, it causes um a, a stress response, and we are not we we have an underdeveloped regulation of that stress response, so we're like bam, your body's like you're fighting a tiger. There's a velociraptor in the room right now. We got to do something about this right now. It doesn't know that you just read an email that, that upset you. 
right it, it has the same reaction so what happens is your body thinks that you just went through this big fight but you didn't so it wants to replace and replenish those things but even though you didn't use them so you have this overuse of a biochemical reaction that is good for us it's just misappropriated so then what happens is instead of using it for a, arousal and focus to work it becomes something that goes to anxiety and and, and um depression so we get to a point where instead of arousal we have anxiety instead of focus we have off-task thinking but if we if we look at some basic principles on physical activity, exercise, mindfulness, neuroplasticity, so learning, like reading a book, doing a puzzle, a purpose, uh, spirituality, uh, really, really good sleep as much as we possibly can, and having a social environment with family and friends that we can tell stories with and interact with, then we what you start to see is that stress response is regulated. So it, it, your, your body is a fast learner. It, our bodies are brilliant, but they're really dumb. They'll do what it, they think you want, the, it, what it wants you to, what you want it to do. So if, if it's trained, if you've, if you've induced stress and you've inoculated, not perfect, right? But if you've inoculated and you know how to regulate that stress response, what happens is now, instead of just being irritated and triggering a, a stress response, now, what happens is your body recognize. I mean, this is not ex you know exact, uh, but you know your body can can either a not have a stress response and stay at homeostasis, or two recognize that that's something where I like need to stab that person in the face right now, or me and my buddies are all gonna die, right? probably right. shouldn't have said person i probably should have said like tiger or lion yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you know so like whatever that is react i'm either going to fight flee or freeze and pick the appropriate response i have what's called allostasis where i return to homeostasis faster instead of this prolonged uh exhaustion of all of the processes that that stress response is because what happens over time with this most appropriate stress response is we see a lot of metabolic disorders. We see a lot of cardiovascular issues. We see a lot of, um, of uh, depression, PTSD, suicidal ideations, a lot of risky behaviors, self-medication, a lot of disturbed sleep. So, and, and then from on top of those, what happens is because your body thinks you use fuel, you te we tend to crave uh, like uh, uh, sugary, salty, carbohydrate food. So then you have emotional eating on top of that because your body thinks you used all this. It wants to conserve energy. Like our, our, our biological basis to actually conserve energy because, you know, history is what it is. And, and there was a time where humans didn't know when your next meal was going to come. So it wanted to conserve energy and only be able to use that energy when you were doing things that you absolutely had to do for work. So it will revert back to what, what the biological function is, is, is to preserve you at homeostasis. So until you train what, that, what, what healthy uh, uh, changes to baseline homeostasis are, your body's always gonna perceive those as a threat and then activate that stress response and, and if you don't know how to regulate that, then you're going to have that misappropriation, which over time leads to chronic uh, uh, injury and insult. Oh, okay. 
makes sense. So really what I hear you saying is that like, if you just live well, then you're basically going to train your body to, to handle stress appropriately. You're not going to get like completely wigged out o- over some random thing like that. You're going to have the, the right response to whatever kind of comes your way. Is that about, about right? Yeah. I mean, you, you give yourself a better opportunity. It's right. like studying for a test. Okay. You know, if you, if you study well for a test over time, you, you tend to do better statistically than if you're just like, eh, I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Right. No, and I'll, I'll say I can see that from the from the chaplaincy that you get these guys that that come in and they have all these problems. And I'm just like, well, well what's your sleep like? And they're like, oh, I haven't slept in days. And I'm like, well, you know, that's probably part of the problem here that I think if you just, you know, simply got a good night's rest, maybe a lot of this stuff won't be nearly as bad, or maybe you're, you're going to, you know, interact with your wife or your team better or, or whatever the, the thing is um, that they definitely are connected a hundred percent. So that makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. En- energy drinks are a real problem right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Keeps everybody awake. <laughs> yeah. So you also talked about uh, building neuroplasticity. And so as a, a, you know, 18 years in, like, like my, body will never be what it was whenever it was 18 no matter how hard I train it but my brain definitely is starting to get to a point where it's starting to pay off bigger by like training myself to think well training you know like putting the right uh, material in there to kind of process that and, and and be able to interpret the world and opportunities that come and things like that um however having you know more uh volume in that that engine would be super awesome so like how do you how do you increase that neuroplasticity to to make that happen oh there's a lot of ways uh you know you can you can just get on uh, hprc and and google uh or not google but get on there and search for uh how to build uh resilience and neuroplasticity mindfulness uh one of the best one of the best ways is just spending 15 minutes meditating, breathing in and out your nose, five seconds in, five seconds out, or or what you can do in and out your nose every day. Uh, you know, reading books and studying and and kind of learning a new skill, um, and uh, doing puzzles, sitting down, telling your story can build neuroplasticity. So writing down, journaling, looking at what it is to be you on this planet, and 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 trying to plan for the future, and sitting down with a social circle and and sharing stories and, you know, any of these things are, are, you know, are growth. And anytime you learn a new subject, learn a new skill, read a new book, do a puzzle, practice uh, meditation, uh, do any type of, of, uh, you know, uh, uh, mathematic uh, learning a little bit more about chemistry or uh, any of these are, are huge for neuroplasticity. And so, you know, when they say constantly learn, always try new things, put yourself out there, being out in, in, in the trees, out in wilderness and different, in different places and spaces and traveling and meeting new people. These are all ways to build neuroplasticity. Interesting. Interesting. So like, yeah, I, um, so I, I write for a, a, a website called a sandbox and uh, they use the, the Marines version of like H2F to kind of like structure a lot of their post on. And uh, that was the first time I think I ever saw when I first started writing for them that ever saw social being a, co- a component uh, in there. And I've seen, like you, you said multiple times, like just simply telling your story to a, a, a lot of people that, that that social component actually has a lot to do with your fitness. Can you speak more to that and like kind of explain why that, that seems to be the case? Absolutely. I mean, it, there is, you know, I, I, I'll tell people when, when it, when we have our soldiers complaining that on drill weekend, they couldn't charge their phone and that's what they have to complain about. We're doing it wrong. 
Mm. Right? They want to, human beings want to commiserate in misery. And, and <laughs> right. I know there is some solitude that is nice and being away from people, but I, I have very rarely met anyone who has a clinical diagnosis of not being able to be around people. And, and I know that exists. Interesting. People, people love to be around people. And even if you got to pull their teeth out to get them there, they joined the army for a reason. They didn't have to. I understand there's lots of benefits to come with it, but there's a lot of benefits out there in the United States of America right now. Right. They don't need to come to the United States Army. They don't have to. They chose to. They signed up. They volunteered. They're looking for an experience. They're looking for camaraderie. They're looking for a family. They're looking for social uh, influence. You know, th there's very little individuals that actually come in to be a predator amongst our formation. They come in because they want to commiserate in misery. They, they want to work hard. They want to earn the right to be to be, uh, you know, a part of part of this family and this team. And and that 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 statistically it's not perfect. It's not always that way. But statistically across the board, uh, human beings enjoy social interaction. And also within that social interaction, they love to be part of a team. They love to work hard together and achieve a goal as part of this tight knit unit. They love to commiserate in misery. This is why things like CrossFit and Spartan and mud races and obstacle courses. And, you know, you take you take a group of people out and you put them in a field and you do team sports and you see what happens. Um, it, we we are uh, we are social beings. And and when you can put a group together and put them through something difficult, something magical happens on the other side. Not all the time, not always perfect, not for everyone. But th that that is uh, something that is truly special for any group. And I think that I think that, you know, that is something we can give our teams, we can give our large family that's out there and that they can also bring home and take back to their community, to their family, to their teams. And, and, and that that truly is something special. Yeah, no, it, it kind of goes back full circle to where you're talking about like, you know, trying to understand what you are as a human that like, you know, as humans, we're tribal, like if you were to ro roll the, the clock way back, and we're all just cavemen, you're not a caveman, you're cavemen, there's always a bunch of them. And like, you start looking at like, a the the mountain men like the idea of the lone mountain man is actually kind of a historical farce that they they ran around in like groups of like seven or eight or whatever and they would break off into pairs that they were never actually just by themselves for the most part you know that it was a lot more common to have all those guys kind of knit together so it's interesting to see that um that social element seems to really inform the other elements of health and then if you get out there and you're on the island by yourself you just kind of come apart yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think there is some, some benefit to, to solitude sometimes, um, and, and that definitely is beneficial to, to people, but I, I think on the whole, uh, there's a reason why we come to this family and these formations, and it, it's, it's to commiserate misery. Yeah, that, no, that, that makes sense. It explains a lot of like meme pages and stuff that, it, that like all of a sudden, like you can gripe about one thing and everybody's like, oh, yes, like I, I understand that. I think there's definitely something to that. Um. Earlier, you talked about the, like a the the CPR program and it and it's successful, and we're kind of getting close to an hourish or so. Like so, like what is the the CPR for uh, for H two F? Like what what are the the couple of things that people really need to know, even if they didn't have access to the internet or whatever? Like this, what's the so what on like how how to to be a more healthy like human being? What would, how would you define that? 
Yeah, I, you know, everyone's got the same recipe, lots of different cooks. Uh, right. You know, you know, for me, I use five W's. Uh, and, and I've taken those five W's from some of my mentors and some of the experts in this field. And, and those five W's are wake, water, walk, work, wane. So, and, and, and water is such a huge part of our life. It has its own, its own little thing. So if you wake up, wake up at the same time every day, wake up when the sun comes up, get up, get up, wake up. Uh, Sophia Loren used to say when they asked her why she stayed so youthful, she goes, every morning I wake up and I jump out of bed. I jump out of bed and I get started on the day. We're supposed to wake up and get moving right away. Wake up. You might as well drink some water. We, you know, we are, we, we have a real problem with dehydration in our formation. <laughs> so right. water's, we, we, water is so it's important for all our biochemical reactions. It's a buffering mechanism. It's a, it's a lubricant. Um, so, so just drink a cup of water as soon as you wake up before you have coffee, before you do anything else and go for a walk. Get moving right away. Wake up, drink water, go for a walk before you open your email, before you check your phone, before you turn on the news, before you get connected, be connected with who you are, what you are, and your environment. Go outside, 15 minutes you can take, go drink water, go so wake up, drink water, go for a walk, wake, water, walk, work, do the work, be physically active all day as much as possible. Be physically active. Do the exercise because you're not doing as much work as what you think you are. And we have to, in our field, wearing the uniform, we have to be able to move and shoot, period. And I know lots of people have different jobs, but you have to be able to get up, get down, jump, land, twist, rotate, flex, extend, be able to run fast, be able to run long, be able to rock, be able to carry load, be able to, to bend and, and, and squat and push, pull and all climb and pull people up. And if you say that's not important, be someone who can't do that when your family depends on you, when your kids depend on you, when the people on your left and right depend on you. Be someone who can't do the job. Now, I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish that type of, 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 of knowledge that you just can't do something on anybody. So it's our job to give resources and tools, but it's your job to do the work. Read, right. study, meditate, find purpose. Work on sleep while you're awake, which means use that energy that you have during the day. And, and so that's the work part of it. That's all the meat and potatoes uh, of, of nourishing your body well, doing physical activity, exercising, uh, practicing spirituality, working on making sure that you do everything you can so you sleep good at night, writing your story, learning a new skill, and then weighing. I know this is hard. People leave work. There's traffic. You're trying to get everything done. But realistically, around 1600 and sometimes earlier, your body's starting to wind down. You're getting your sleep hormones. Your body needs to start to wind down. So be fierce. Be fierce about limiting your screen time. You know, being, being present with your family, uh, reading a book, doing a puzzle. Let your body wind down and, and, and wane into a spot where you can lay down in bed and go to sleep so wake water walk work wake five w's super easy i really like that well uh major ben sims i don't know of a better way to uh to end it but i'd like to thank you for coming on i think it's been super super informative for sure you're a, a library of knowledge man <laughs> well i <laughs> i've been lucky for whom i'm around and and uh and i just appreciate the time and and uh, letting me babble 
Oh, right. Well, that goes right, right with the uh, the social component uh, of uh, H2F, I suppose. <laughs> well, I right. sure do miss you guys up in Washington. Oh, yeah. So, or how long were you uh, down at Peck for? Uh, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, um, how can people uh, uh, contact you if they had any questions or, or where, where should they go? Well, uh, there's one, there's two S-E-I-M-S uh, in, in the global. One's my son, so I have to give a shout out to uh, Private Michael uh, Sims. Oh. Uh, he, he's he's uh, with um, 898 Engineers. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, real, real proud of that. Um, there used to be three of us in the global. Uh, my, my son about 18 months ago got out of the Marines. So, uh, the, anyways, S-E-I-M-S, you can search me in the global um that that's probably the best way just shoot me an email and i, I can get it back to you okay all right well i'll uh, definitely uh put your email in the show notes but thank you so much for coming on hey thanks for having me all right this has been the raven report podcast the official podcast of the 81st striker brigade combat team if you're interested in seeing if you have what it takes to join our team go to our instagram and click the link in the bio Click the join link and connect with us.